You're listening to the Culture Cure Podcast, Episode 5, where we chat to Trevor Rooney and discover how to empower your people to excel. Welcome to the Culture Cure Podcast, where we help you to bring out the magic in your teams. I'm your host, Amanda Rosarza, and in each episode, we'll explore proven hints, tips, and strategies that can help you to create a culture of high performance in your organization and one that drives results. As a culture consultant, I've had the privilege of working with nationally and internationally recognized companies of all shapes and sizes, and through my hands-on experience, I know what works and what doesn't. You may be wondering, how can we cure organizational culture? It can feel intangible, challenging to measure, and even impossible to grasp. But don't worry, we've got you covered. In this podcast, we'll deep dive into my unique framework, The Culture Cure, and share some incredible conversations with experts in their fields. You'll walk away armed with the tools, systems, processes, and mindset shifts you need to become a culture champion in your organization. So whether you're a leader in the public or private sector looking to improve culture, leadership, customer experience, or employee engagement, this podcast is definitely for you. Let's make the intangible tangible and the impossible possible. Are you ready? Let's go. Our guest on this episode of The Culture Cure is Trevor Rooney, Vice President of Global Sales and Business Development for CareTech and a 30-year veteran of companies such as Sonos and Crestron. Join us as we unpack all things culture and leadership and maybe even a little bit of nostalgia. Hey there, dreamers and doers. Amanda Rosatza from The Culture Cure. Now, welcome to today's episode. We have an absolutely amazing guest with us, Mr. Trevor Rooney. How are you doing today? Doing really good, absolutely. From a, a beautiful uh, blue sky, slightly chilly Las Vegas right now, but uh, feeling good. Amazing, amazing. Good to hear, good to hear. Now, Trevor and I, how long do we go back? Quite a way. Oh, gosh. Uh, I would say years. about... 50 years. It feels a long time, but I would say what? Over a decade without a doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we actually met during our time in the AV industry. So uh, we'll definitely be having conversations around that. So Trevor, I mean, just tell us a little bit about your history and what makes you, you're so passionate about people and you're so passionate about what you do and about experiences, creating experiences. And I love that about you. So just share a little bit of your journey for us. Well, first of all, I'm 107 years old, so I have been around a long time. Uh, It is particularly good lighting here, so I I don't feel too bad today. Um, But yes, uh, I started off my career in uh, audio video uh, back in the day and uh, learned my trade. I was always very passionate about music um, and uh, loved what music had the ability to do for people. Uh, I've always been a people person. Um, you know, maybe not as much as you get older, but uh, certainly in my younger days, uh, you know, very, very people focused. And through my career, I've uh, I've been very lucky to have worked um, with a number of really, really fun companies that have, I guess, you know, allowed me to evolve my career to where it is right now and, and who I'm working with right now. I'm in healthcare t- um, tech, which uh, is incredibly rewarding. You know, I, I used to 
I used to think about what I did in the past with music and how I was changing lives with music. Uh, and now, you know, I'm, I'm at this healthcare stage where I'm literally at, literally changing lives, which is uh, which is pretty uh, pretty rewarding in the scheme of things. So, you know, for me, front facing always, I've always been in a, some some sort of sales uh, related role. Started off selling directly uh, in a retail environment, uh, following my education and stuff like that. Learned my trade, uh, moved my way up into uh, managerial. Um, positions, was lucky enough to become general manager of a, a very important company uh, many years ago, which really uh, allowed me to learn uh, a lot about how it was that you needed to work with people day to day. I mean, you know, for me, you think about the people that you work with, and you're spending more time with them than the people that you love. So it, uh, it really allowed me figure out how to treat people day to day. How did I want to be treated as a, as a leader? And, and how did uh, how did I get the best from somebody that was uh, under my guidance? Um, you know, I used to always think about if I inherited a sales team or something like that. If I was moving from one career to another, I'd inherit a sales team. And and you know, sometimes you get sales teams that are incredibly passionate, and love what they do, and the odd time you'll get one or two people that seem a little bit jaded. And right. for me, it's always been fun to think about you know, why was that person hired in the first place? What was the spark that got them that position? And can I get that again? And can I get that to grow? So yeah, it's been a fun time. Um, a, a lot of different experiences. You know, I, I've worked probably four or five key companies in my time. And uh, yeah, I feel like I'm still in my prime. Uh, and I've got lots to give. Amazing. I love it. Now, I just, you've given me some gold already there, Trevor, which is amazing. I just want to lean into, so you're talking about if we inherited a sales team, and yep. maybe they're just not, they're just, the passion's not there, the spark's missing, something's not quite right. Yep. What do you do to uncover why they were there in the first place? What do you, where do you start yeah. when you need yeah. to rebuild that team? It's a great question. And I think, you know, most managers have faced this at some stage in their career. Um, and there's, there's one or two things you can do. One, the easy route is to get rid of the person and hire somebody new, right? That, that's easy and that happens every day. But that doesn't really help. Uh, it doesn't help the, the, the person who's in the position right now. It doesn't help the company who's invested time and resources and money in that particular employee. And uh, really, I've never been one to take the easy way out. I've always wanted to try and figure out what, what, what made that person tick. So really, it's about communication. It's about sitting down with that person, building up a relationship. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to go bowling with every employee or, you know, not unless it's a Christmas party or something. But you want to build up a certain level where they feel that they can talk to you about their wins and losses. And I think it really comes down to communication. Uh, I've always been very approachable. Uh, I'm not the type of uh, manager that would sit in an office with the door closed and, you know, make an appointment. My door is always open. And, uh, you know, I feel I think if you can if you can really instill self-worth into somebody, um, they they will react well to that. And in the past, that's what I've tried to do. I think, you know, looking at, you know, without going into particular cases, but, you know, you, you look at maybe uh, somebody who's been in the job for for longer, 10 or 15 years. And it's natural to go a little bit stale if nobody is Absolutely. feeding you excitement and keeping you passionate. So. It's really, you know, being a manager, there's a lot of facets that build, that go into that title. It's not just signing checks and, and uh, you know, owning high-level high decisions. It's actually making sure that your staff are enthused every day. So when they wake up, they're actually smiling and know what they want to do. 
And uh, for me, it boils all the way down to communication, sitting down with that person and saying, what makes you happy? What are you not happy about? What can we do better? Um, what have we let you down? You know, and, and really opening, a, a, I guess, a forum that um, is a two-way street, you know? 100%. That's gold. Thank you, Trevor. That's amazing. Great insights there for our listeners. Now, another piece that I really wanted to lean into that I know you're an absolute gun at is creating experiences for customers, yep. for clients, for guests. So yep. how, if we're, you know, if we're selling pens or if we're selling high-end audio or we're selling health solutions mm. uh, in, the, yep. in the tech space, how do we create experiences that last and that stay with our customers so that they're more likely to buy and more likely to come back? Yeah, uh, again, great question. Um, and I think a lot of the time people can get really stuck on product um, as opposed to everything else that goes with it. Your product is important. We know that. Whatever you're selling, whether it's a pen, whether it's health tech, whether it's a music speaker, you're selling that, you're doing that because you believe in what you do. So first of all, you've got to be a believer. Uh, you've got to believe that whatever you've got in your hand is, is going to solve a, a problem. Everyone has pain points. And what we need to do is figure out what are those pain points before we go into a meeting? You know, who are the people that we need to see? What are their pain points? And how can, how can I expedite a solution so that that person stands up and says, you know what, that was a really, really beneficial meeting. So many people go into meetings nowadays where they, they, they really don't know what the, the agenda is. They go in, they talk about the weather, they talk about whatever it is. If it's in Australia, it's cricket. Um, yes. <laughs> if it's here in the US, it's the Super Bowl here on Sunday, which is exciting. Is. Um, but at the end of the day, things like that are important because you build up a relationship, but you've got to remember why you're there. And, and for me, it's about solving. I, I, I'm a problem solver. I want to meet somebody and say, listen, what are your pain points? You're running an organization. You, you have a retail store. You have a, a, a healthcare facility, an aged care facility, whatever it might be. But what are those pain points and how can I solve them? Now, to do that, I need to know what I'm selling and what my product is and what my solution is. I need to know that backwards so that when I present something that may have 30 amazing features, I'm already aware that 20 of those are not relevant for this meeting. So I don't worry about that. What I do is concentrate on those 10 that I know are going to get the right result for me and most importantly, the right result for our client and their clients and ongoing. So um, there's lots that goes into it, I think. No, that, that's amazing. And that, that's a perfect summary. Thank you. That, that's absolutely outstanding. Now, just to, to drop a fun question in for you, Trevor, because we're all about that here at The Culture Cure. Now, you have quite an impressive collection there in Las Vegas of certain paraphernalia. And I'd love you to tell us a little story about your collection that you have. My, my music collection, is that it? Or is yes. that what we want to touch on? Or, yes. So I've been a, um, a music fan um, forever. Um, ever since I can remember buying my first seven inch vinyl record, which I still own and it's my peripheral vision. I can actually see it here um, right through to where I am today. Music for me has always been, uh, I guess, a, a universal language for everyone. And despite what you may think, I was quite a shy child and I didn't have a lot of friends and uh, I was self-conscious, as we all were, with funny haircuts in the 80s. I mean, when we look back on it, it's horrendous. So I needed to find, uh, I guess, a, a, a common level where I could talk to people. 
And uh, I guess being Irish uh, and never being afraid to say hello to somebody and then also knowing about music and movies and stuff like that uh, has allowed me open the doors to, to where, I've, where I am right now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a collector. Um, hoarder is a strong word. So I'm going to say collector. I've been collecting for decades. Um, I have pretty much, uh, you know, my music collection for the last 40 years. I have video collections. I have every dead format you can imagine. And it's it's a talking point. And, you know, I use it in business a lot of the time. If I meet somebody, you know, new, we're talking, we're, we're talking about our, our project, whatever else. But at the end of the meeting, it's like, hey, what else do you do to to uh, to enjoy life? You know, and a lot of the time music is going to come up. I've never met anyone who doesn't like music. Absolutely. So straight away, you're in. So, uh, yeah, collecting is, has opened up a lot of doors. And, uh, you know, uh, it's certainly I'm looking at it all here and there's, you know, tens of thousands of records everywhere and, you know, nice and neat and alphabetical and all of that course. stuff. Which As makes I would me expect, a, yes. A super nerd, but I hide the nerdness very well, I think. And I, I get away with it. And I do mention that I collect and, and people say, oh, do you really? You know, and I say, yeah, I collect Atari consoles and VHS and Laserdisc and you name it. But uh, yeah, it's been fun. But I, I actually do use it a lot in business. Um, I like to, I'm not going to say, you know, making friends with everyone you meet is a, is a tall order. But I like to make an impression uh, in a positive way. And uh, I usually do that by going down that friendship road. And most of the people that I deal with day to day, right, right up to today, um, I would consider uh, a level of a friendship somewhere along the line, even though we're just business colleagues. And I think that's that's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot to be learned there. We're all human. We're all here to to, you know, get up in a day and try and do the very best we can every single day. We have people that we love. We have meetings to go to. We have a busy, chaotic life. And if we can put a little bit of joy in there as well. Well, hallelujah. You know, Absolutely. I'm not changing the world. But I may well be, you know, I'm certainly not changing the world on my own, but I'd like to think that, you know, uh, there's a very, very small percentage of my influence helping the world rotate every day. And that's Love what it. keeps me moving every day. And that's what gives me passion. And my passion is, as a, I'm as excited today as I was all those years ago when I stepped through the door of my very first job, wide eyed, thinking about what the hell am I going to do here? How am I going to pull this off? And yet here I am. So yeah, pretty happy. I love that. I love that. And I guess, so what advice would you give maybe for some of our younger listeners who are coming up through the ranks? How can they take that passion and that excitement and really, I guess, harness it so that it stays with them? How do we do yeah. that? Well, well, first of all, everyone's younger. So whoever's listening, everyone's younger than me. So that's Why? advice Why? to everyone, right? Um, how do we, how do we keep the, the, the fire burning? Right. Um, I think it's, it's a really good question. And I think a lot has to do with being vocal, not being afraid right. to have a voice in, mm -hmm. in your company, not being afraid to have an idea, to float it to the person that you need to, whether it's your, your manager or your colleague or whatever else, anyone can come in, put their head down in a computer for eight hours and go home. Right. And turn Absolutely. their phone off. And that's that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. They'll probably do well and, and they'll hit their targets and all the various bits and pieces. But, you know, if you want to really be fulfilled, it's it's all about having a voice. Never be afraid to put your hand up and ask a question. Um, I learned that a little bit later than I should. Okay. In school, I was quiet. 
-hmm. In school, I was more afraid that if I put up my hand that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, somebody sitting beside me or somebody over there would make fun of me or something like that. Gotcha. Uh, so I didn't ask as many questions as I should. I often think about if I went back to school now and, and, and was like, you know, 13 or 14 with what I know in my brain right now, I'd Imagine. be running the place in like two minutes. Literally. But, you know, these things happen. They, every decision I've made has put me here right now in front of you today. That's so it. you have to look at every decision as a positive. You know, have I had career failures? Never. Have I had career learnings? Absolutely. Love it. A failure, the difference between a failure and a learning is, is you yeah. and how you interpret 100%. it. And I look back on some of the decisions I've made over the years and, and some of them have been, yeah, I probably could have done that differently. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but to be in a position where I can actually analyze that and take that knowledge from five or 10 years ago and, and push it forward, it's a great place to be. So I don't have all the answers. Uh, I never will. But what I, what I do have is an inquisitive mind that keeps me going every day. And I think, yeah, putting your hand up and, and having that voice. You've been hired for a reason, whether you're 20, 30, or 50. It doesn't matter. You're mm -hmm. in that position because somebody saw something in you and yes. they felt that you're going to bring something to the company. Don't ever forget that because the day that you do is the day that you need to leave. And move 100%. Let me let you in on a little secret. Despite what people might have told you, culture can be cured. Not with a magic bean or a pill or by handing it over to your HR department. It takes dedication and a system, a process, a framework. And that framework is the culture cure. The culture cure is my proven method for creating cultures of excellence that drive world-class customer and employee experience. We do that by creating and then optimizing your dream team. I did say I bring out the magic in teams, didn't I? Want to learn more? What are you doing listening to me? Let's chat instead. You can find me at amandarazatza.com. That's A-M-A-N-D-A-R-O-S-A-Z-Z-A.com. Book a call with me today or use the links in the description. 100%. That, that's such great advice, Trevor. Thank you. That's amazing. All righty. Well, we, we are almost at our closing point. I have one last question. Now, this is possibly the most important question you are ever going to be asked. Are you ready? Uh, I, I'm always ready with you, Amanda. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So you can keep one format and only one format from your collection, whether it's uh, video, gaming, or music. Which one do you choose and why? Um, instantly, it would be vinyl records for music. Amazing. Because music, music has made me who I am today, plain and simple. Music has shaped me into the person I am. Uh, it's got me through some incredibly tough times, uh, without a doubt, because we all know we can put a favorite track on and, uh, you know, feel passionate again about life mm -hmm. when things are, aren't Absolutely. going your way. Uh, so yeah, vinyl records. Um, I, I will never be, I will always listen to everything that I've listened to since day one. I will never be that person who says, I don't listen to heavy metal. I don't listen to punk. I listen to all of that still. I love Ozzy Osbourne. I love Iron Maiden, all of this type of stuff. But I also, as I've got older, I also have the ability to embrace new stuff as well. Yeah. So not only am I listening to contemporary music, of course, because if you don't, 
that, you know, that would be terrible. But I also have, you know, the ability to sit down and listen to an amazing soundtrack, uh, completely orchestral to, to listen. You know, I've yet to I've yet to embrace jazz or, or classical music, but that's because I probably haven't had the right guide. Jazz yeah. and classical for me, it's very much like fine wine. You can't right. do it on your own. You need someone to take you. your hand. Yeah. So at this stage, um, you know, that's that's something for later down the track. You know, as I say, I'm in my prime now and uh, I've got plenty of time for that over the next, you know, three or four decades. I love it. I love it. And and just curious, what are we listening to on the uh, record player at the moment? What What's what's spinning? Well, uh, right now I'm listening to an amazing album called Pyromania from Def Leppard. And the reason yeah. I'm listening to that is that it uh, basically had its 40th anniversary uh, in the last week or two. Awesome. So um, it made me stop and think about where I was when I heard it first. And uh, it also uh, allows me, you know, put on those that music, whether I'm driving or listening here in the office, whatever it might be. And, you know, not only look back, but it also allows me look forward. And, you know, the, 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 yeah. the power that music can give you as you push forward in your life. You can't beat it. Absolutely. 100% agree. That has been amazing. Trevor, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us. And you're going to come back and join us another time soon? Absolutely. I will actually sit here and never move until I get that call again. How's that? Okay. Well, I mean, sure, that's a plan. We better, we, better, <laughs> we better rush this second episode, guys. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Trevor. And we will see you next time. This has been another episode of The Culture Cure. Catch you soon. This has been another episode of The Culture Cure, and I am your host, Amanda Rosatza. You can help to support us by tagging me on LinkedIn, sharing this podcast with a friend, or leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to subscribe. And until next time, this is The Culture Cure. Oh.